Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAT Podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins. And Asai Calderon Muñiz. All right. I feel like a lot of people look at me. I Maybe you have the same thing too as I. But I actually have a lot of students come to me and say, man, I wish I was as on top of things as you are. And I wish that like, you know, I was like you. And, and I'll be honest, I struggle with motivation at times. And I think that a lot of people do. A lot of times it's easy to look at somebody successful and just say, oh, they like, they're just better than I am. Right. But like, I think that's, it's really about trying to um, just understand how to stay engaged in a process and how to stay motivated in a process. I think a lot of things just take time and pressure, right? And so um, just kind of like looking at what you want to do and how do you stay on top of it? How do you stay motivated? And I know that that is a really big thing, obviously, for the MCAT, right? Like, it is it is a marathon and a lot of students struggle to stay motivated for months. It's a lot of times it's easy to stay motivated for like a week. If like my test is on Friday, I'm just going to buckle down this week. It's hard to like, I'm going to buckle down for the next four months, right? Like that's a little bit different and a little bit more challenging. Oh, a hundred percent. The amount of times since, you know, I work in and I'm in school and whatnot, the amount of times that people are like, I don't know how you do this. And I'm like, sometimes I'm running on fumes, but it's, <laughs> but it really is like managing to stay motivated. And I think part of, and I, I know that you resonate with this, or this will resonate with you. Part of what makes work easier is that we're motivated because mm-hmm. of our students. Right. And so even when, you know, sometimes work gets to, to be a lot because we have that motivation in that sphere, it makes it easier. And I think also when, you know, I was in full-time clinical year and sometimes it would just get really hard because the days were really long. I think focusing on my patients and thinking bigger picture would help. Same with when I was studying because there was an exam almost every single month. And so knowing the why you're doing something can be helpful, but also what we want to focus on today. And I know we talked about this is really the concrete things that we can do to maintain motivation because it can be tough at times. And anyone who says that they are always highly motivated for everything is probably lying to you. Yeah. Or they've somehow gotten really lucky and all the things they're doing are things they're so passionate about. Um, I'll admit there are some things like free trial sessions. Like I don't have to motivate myself for that because I am (laughs) amped and I'm excited for them. Um, Like I don't have to get motivated to go talk to my friends on the phone call or go eat dinner. Right. Like that motivation is not needed. Um, As a matter of fact, I wish I was a little less motivated sometimes (laughs) by that. Um, But when you're doing big things that are sometimes difficult, especially when you're doing things where you're kind of burnt out and kind of spread thin and stressed out, that can that can make things harder. But even then, I feel like especially for the MCAT, because most most students, aka pretty much all of them, nobody really is excited about doing the MCAT, right? The MCAT okay. is not the thing that they're excited about. That the MCAT is not like the career, like I want to spend my entire career doing the MCAT stuff. Even myself, when I was studying for the MCAT, I remember taking the MCAT and I'm like, oh, I'll never have to think about this ever again. And now it's all that I think about, which is weird. (laughs) But um, like students who are in undergrad, even in med school, there were times I'm just like, I'm so burnt out and I'm not motivated and I'm tired. And it was important for me to keep in mind the end goal, 
right? Mm -hmm. I was doing this not because I want to study all of my life. I'm doing this because I want to be a physician, right? I want to help patients. Um, And I think that that's something that you and I have in common as I is the focus on patients. Um, Mm -hmm. Focus on others keeps me motivated. A hundred percent. And that's a big deal for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, I think we're hitting, what's, what's the phrase? Hitting the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, last night, I was really struggling with with that mm-hmm. phrase. But yeah, so what are some concrete things that we can do? I think when, when we look at studying in general, and this is undergrad, this is medical school in general, when we think about all the things we have to do, it's just one giant list, right? And it can seem overwhelming because you're not even sure where to start. And so one of the things that can be super helpful is chunking. Chunking both what you have to do by topic, by um, kind of mental bandwidth, but also in the time that you're chunking. And so one of the things that I like to think about, and when I was studying for the MCAT, I encourage students to do, and now while I am studying in med school, for example, when I'm going through and reviewing biochem, I'm going to chunk some of the biochem topics, and then I'm going to chunk some of the physics topics, right? Rather than trying to go back every five minutes, that's not as helpful. But I do want to go back and forth, right? But the, the way that I'm structuring the similar topics will be a couple at a time. And that also means that naturally I'm chunking my time because instead of just studying for five minutes at a time, I'll get started and then I'll be able to study for a little bit longer, right? And then I can spend instead of those five minutes, maybe 30 minutes studying or maybe even an hour depending on how motivated Mm -hmm. I am. Yeah. And so we're going to go through a bunch of just really applicable stuff, things that Mm -hmm. like like just a bunch of really actionable strategies. And this is the first one of just break things into smaller pieces and then work through the pieces. Um, It is so easy and so common that like students approach the MCAT and it's just like, this is too big, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, like you want me to climb a mountain or eat a mountain, right? Like where do you start with this, right? Like um, breaking it into smaller pieces. Like this afternoon I'm working on Torque, right? I'm just going to work on torque today, um, this afternoon. And then if I have time, I'm going to do a car's passage or two afterwards. And like that sort of thing, I think works really well. And also it's, it, it's, it's rewarding to be able to go through and kind of cross stuff off. There's a dopamine yes. rush <laughs> in this. Um, and th- this, there's, there's a couple of things that like fold into this that I think are really critical is, making sure that you are like realizing the progress that you're making. And so like having a list, like you start off with a list of like, you know, 100, 200 things, like torque, magnetism, fluid dynamics, hydrostatics, hydraulics, um, buoyancy, all of those are fluid things. But there's also, you know, like just breaking it into a bunch of different different topics and then just crossing them off one by one as you master them feels good. Right. It feels good to look at a list and say, like, who I've like I'm a third of the way done. Right. And you're just like making daily progress. And you want to do that by chunking it. Right. Breaking it into pieces. That's why in the course we create a study schedule and break everything out like this. These are the things to do this week to stay on pace so that it doesn't overwhelm students um, as it very often can. Absolutely. And 
Let me clarify. So I'm I'm studying for for an, an exam right now, and so biochem is still very much contained compared to the MCAT. So there's a topic right on biochem, on you know immunology, dermatology, etc. I do not recommend that you try and sit down and study all of biochem on the MCAT yeah. in one sitting. So let me be very clear about that. Um, one of the things that I started doing for this, and I had something similar when I was studying for the MCAT in terms of like what you were just saying, breaking it down and kind of getting that dopamine rush, is that I have it broken down by, for example, molecular biochem, and that's three or four videos and then metabolism and that's a much larger set of videos mm -hmm. but there's a little i have a little button on the side and it either says completed or watch and so i have three options i can leave it blank i can say oh i'm going to come back and watch this or i can mark it as completed and then the whole thing turns green which is mm -hmm. beautiful because then i can see that as i'm going through and it's a great way to to do that and i think a lot of students don't realize this you can take that or honestly you could even go to our amc outline copy the list, throw it onto an Excel spreadsheet, have add the like little checkbox um, mm -hmm. thing next to it. And then you can do exactly what you were saying, Phil, and just check them off. Yeah. I, I know I've talked about this before in previous podcast episodes, but I started doing a thing where I'm trying to get like so many steps a day. Um, and so I think it started off at 10,000 steps a day and then I increased it to 11,000 and then 12,000. And I'm like slowly kind of like increasing this. Um, but I like, I've, I've tried to do this a couple of times in the past of like, I'm just going to like get a bunch of steps and things like that. What really helped me is I actually have a calendar. If you go to a free trial session, you can actually see it hanging on the wall <laughs> behind me, um, in the sessions, but it's a calendar that's got like a, a button for every day. And when you hit the button, it lights up. And so oh, nice. what, what I do is like any time, every day that I hit my goal, I go and I hit the button and it lights up. And like, all of a sudden seeing that and like seeing kind of the streak going through and seeing the, um, you know, just kind of like, oh, all the steps that I've accomplished through throughout this, um, like it feels good, right? It feels good to look at this and being like, oh, I just crossed a million steps, right? For like, since I started this and like, that's just really motivating to be able to keep and track the prog progress. Um, and so having something like that, I feel like that's kind of similar to your like, oh, it turns green when I, when I do this and that, like, I know that that sounds silly, but there is something to like this dopamine rush that occurs whenever you check something off and it just feels nice. Um, and I think that that's a, a really like underappreciated part of staying motivated on things. Is there any way that you've been celebrating checking those uh, and, and pressing those buttons? I have not. I am going to at the end of the year do a big kind of celebration because it's it's honestly it's kind of become a routine and it's been kind of fun mm -hmm. now that I'm doing it's kind of its own reward that I get to press the button at the end of the day. It's like a weird I know that sounds weird. Like my reward is pressing a button, but <laughs> there, like I get a lot of pleasure out of it, but I think it's also a good idea to reward yourself in other ways. Um, now this could be small rewards on like a daily basis. Um, if you're not afraid of accidentally training yourself, like Pavlov's dog, um, <laughs> you can like have a piece of chocolate every day after you've like finished your thing. Um, or maybe something, something else, right? Like the idea of um, like doing like of something like after you make it through a big period of time, I'm actually doing that also 
right now. Um, my <laughs> so I know I've mentioned before I have a dog. The dog is all over the place, so much energy. And it's hard when I'm like teaching and recording videos, like the dog can't be like jumping on my lap and like dragging, like jump, like pushing me around um, as I'm recording videos. So I'd really like to put the dog outside. And to do so, I have to build a fence. And so I've been building a fence for like a month. Every weekend, <laughs> I go out there and I build some, build the fence and make some progress. Still not um, done? No. Well, I think I got two more weekends okay. and it'll be completely finished. And I'm nice. rewarding myself with a trip to go visit my sister after this. And so like, we, I've just decided like everyone in the house was like, okay, when we finish the fence, we're going to work on it every weekend. When we finish the fence, we're taking a trip. We're going to go visit my sister um, who lives in Utah. And so we're going to go do some hiking and stuff as a fun kind of getaway thing. I love that for you guys. It's, it's really... I agree. This is also underappreciated, just rewarding ourselves. A couple of years back, I saw someone who was struggling to read a textbook and they put an M&M every couple of paragraphs. My that. problem is I would skip ahead and I would eat those M&Ms. So that wouldn't work for me. Um, but you know this, Phil, this week has been very long on a lot of fronts. And so, you know, I was talking with my mom and I hadn't done this in a while. She was like, take yourself out for a dinner date, like just you and sit down and enjoy a meal. And so that's what I'm going to be doing later this mm -hmm. evening. I'm just like, you know what? Long week. I've put in a lot of work to a lot of things and I'm just going to go eat somewhere. And I'm okay with that. And I think that will be a nice way to reinforce that so that next week, whether or not I train myself and, and do mm -hmm. it again, or maybe I make it a variable thing, then, you know, it's, it's something that I look forward to. And something else that it's going to sound really silly, but I've started really liking oranges because they actually activate all five of your senses. So I think it's something that is also underappreciated. But if I have a, not if I have a good day, but when I get through a handful of things, I'll just sit down and eat an orange. And then while I'm watching one of the videos on metabolism, I'll just have an orange because I've done a bunch of videos earlier in the day. And so that's another way that I reward myself. I, I like this idea. I really also, if there's some way to make the process in and of itself rewarding, yeah. I always think that that is is probably the best way to approach it. But sometimes like, sometimes you just kind of, I hate building a fence, right? <laughs> it is not fun to be out there with the post hole diggers and be like digging up <laughs> dirt and like my shoulders are achy because um, I've been doing it for, for a couple of hours. And this, um, like that, that process in and of itself isn't rewarding. So I'm having a hard time turning that into a rewarding thing, but the walking thing, I'm like, I, yeah. as I go through this, I feel better. It's hard for me to get up like at six o'clock in the morning and like get going, especially now that it's cold out. Um, it was a lot easier in July <laughs> than it was in November. Um, but like still that process in and of itself, like as I come back, I'm like, okay, that was good. I did a good job, Phil. Way to go. And so I think some of that like self-talk of like congratulating yourself mm -hmm. on like, good job. Good job, me. I did it. Like I made it through this thing. And that is a, that sounds a little weird, but I think it is a very healthy thing to be 
appreciative of yourself when you do accomplish things. I think very often people tend to have very negative self-talk and like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I did that. And really that's kind of like the only time they address themselves. They don't say, oh, I'm so awesome. I did such a good job, right? Like they they, they tend yeah. to just do the negative and not do the positive. And I think taking a moment to do that positive stuff helps keep you motivated. Um, Absolutely. Keep you engaged. Yeah. And right. Similar to what you're saying, we're often our own worst critics. And so learning to be kind to ourselves through that process of of self-appreciation is super important. I also wonder if the fact that you are walking at the same time every day and the fact that you are building the fence consistently on the weekends Mm -hmm. and you have that plan of, all right, I'm starting my day at this time also helps. And I think this is something that a lot of us struggle with if we're starting early in the day, and that's setting a consistent time for studying or for whatever we're trying to stay motivated for. And so I know that with the new blackout curtains that I got, I am struggling with maintaining a consistent start time to my day. But I know that once I get accustomed to them and I can still wake up at you know 6, 7 a.m. and sit down and do what I have to do, that's going to help as well. Or for folks that are still in undergrad, right? You're still in school then for you may not be 6 a.m. That might not be feasible for you because you're going to bed at 10 p.m. Um, and so, or maybe even a little later. And so perhaps for <laughs> I like you- that 10 p.m. is so super late to you. I'm like, you might be staying up way late, like 10 p.m. Uh. <laughs> so it, it's my ideal time to go to bed. But even last night, I went to bed at 1 a.m. So, you know, yeah. we're out here, we're okay. trying. But maybe for you, that means at, you know, 6 p.m., you've gone home, you've showered, you've eaten, 6 p.m., I'm going to sit down and study for the MCAT. Or I've had students that are also that have children. And so they would try and build the time into their day where uh, their, sparser, their spouse or partner would kind of take over watching the kids. And so that way they could dedicate a specific time during the day for studying. And I do think that helps maintain motivation as well. And you are building a habit. And sometimes the hardest thing to do is build a habit because it's a lot easier to break a habit. Yeah, I I agree. I think there's there's kind of like two parts to this, right? Like the the consistent time. If you can, like like the way I do it, I get up every morning first thing, take a walk. Last thing, take a walk. Like that's what I'm doing. I'm taking a walk tw- like twice a day in the dark, which is a little <laughs> bit weird. Oh, no. Um but I'm like, okay, I got to work during the day and so like at the ends that's where I'm doing most of my walking. Um but this is like I, we have just kind of a consistent routine and we've developed habits out of that. And like you said, the weekends are for building fences. And mm-hmm. so that is, um, you're absolutely right. I think that the like consistent time and it turning into a habit definitely helps. The The thing is some students like have very eclectic schedules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people who like, especially in college and have like jobs that are kind of like are trying to mesh with college. Like you might not be able to get up and study for the MCAT for two hours at noon every yeah. day, right? Maybe not get up then, but like at noon every day you like study for the MCAT. Um, but I do think it is a good idea to schedule stuff, schedule time for this. Put it so that when the time comes, you're not having this internal battle of should I do it now or should I do it later? Just like, no, this is the time I do this thing. Um, I know we talked about this um, a while ago with like willpower. I think it was like the last episode actually with like you have so much willpower and you use it up over the day. 
Um, I did an experiment with my sister, actually. It was the second time I mentioned her in this one podcast. <laughs> um, but we were having a, a conversation. I was talking to her about this and that like sometimes it's easier to quit something completely than it is to lessen it, right? So like saying that I want to go to fast food less often is harder to do than saying I'm going to quit going to fast food, right? Because if you say I'm going to quit going to fast food, you never have to think about it, right? It's never of should I, shouldn't I, whatever, kind of going back and forth. I just don't eat there, right? I just don't do fast food. And if you you just say, I'm going to try to eat fast food less often, then like, you know, several times a week, you're thinking like, oh, should I do it now? Is it okay now? And like, you might talk yourself into it. You might be having a bad day and kind of stressed out. But if you're just like, I don't eat at fast food places, like I'm having a bad day. I'm not having that conversation of like, is it okay if I do it today? And like maybe talking myself into it. And so we actually did a thing. My sister and I were like, we're going to we're going to see like we're both going to say we don't eat fast food and we're going to see who can go the longest. It's been 2 years. Um and neither of us have eaten fast food since then. And it's just like like it's not even a challenge at this point because we don't um we just we just don't think about it, right? We, it just is doesn't come in as an option in our head because we've learned to like okay, we're just removing this. Um and so I think it's the same way like if somebody says they want to eat less meat, versus somebody who's a vegetarian. I think somebody who is a strict vegetarian, they don't have this battle in their head every day of like, should I eat meat today or a little bit less? I know I'm trying to cut back. And like, they just don't eat meat. And so they've built their life around this and that that's just how it works and there's no problem. Um, and so I think that this is something to uh, to consider, especially when you're trying to build a habit. And this is you know kind of bringing this back, build a schedule and say, this is my schedule right? This is how I do it. I think that that is way easier for you to stick with and also burns less of your willpower. And like, it's less of a struggle than if you say, I'm going to try to study more this week. If you say, I'm going to try to study more this week, it's a constant battle. Every single time you sit down to study. And even if you don't sit down to study, there was still this battle in your head. It's way better to say like, these are the times I study, stick into that. And I know that for people like me, who I like to, I like to be a little loosey goosey, go with the flow <laughs> overall. And like, there's a, there's a big part of me that really would have pushed against that when I was younger. Um, but like my life is just so much easier when I schedule things out. Like these are the times I'm doing these things. And as somebody whose schedule will get more complex, if you are going to med school, your schedule will become much more complex over time. This is a good thing to start doing now is to start making a schedule for yourself and sticking to it. Um, as I, I've seen your schedule and it it terrifies <laughs> me sometimes um, glancing at it just with it's like color coded and and all this stuff. And it's it's hyper organized, but it makes it like once you get to a certain level of activity, like you you need that in order to make sure that you're getting things done and staying on top of stuff. Yeah. So I'll talk about that in a second, but with, with your kind of fast food story. So I think I've mentioned this before, but I did keto for a few years mm -hmm. and then I would, I knew I would break keto during like holiday season that I was going to be with my family mm -hmm. for extended periods of time. But you're absolutely right. I found it so much easier during those, you know, 
almost the entire year when I was just like, no, I'm not thinking about this. I'll just, you know, have the, the carbohydrates that I will get will be from my fruits and my vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be clear, I'm not telling anyone how they should or should not eat. This was just something that worked for me. And I, I did find it so much easier. And going back to the schedule. So this is, you're absolutely right. This is where you and I, we, at least for the podcast, we balance each other out on this. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. When my schedule got really hectic, I would have to, so the way I set it up is I have a Google spreadsheet and every week is, it's just alternates, you know, a little gray and then white so I can differentiate the weeks. And then every day of the week has different lines. And so I would write down what I was doing for work. And I would write down what I was doing when I was studying and when I was in clinic and when I had um, asynchronous things with patients, meaning I had to call patients, et cetera. And then also when I had social time. And so I think that helps because if you can add and you're scheduling in and making social time a habit and you're making studying a habit on your schedule and any other things that you have to do. So school, work, et cetera, putting that into a schedule for some people that can be overwhelming. So I know for you, that probably would not be a great fit, but for students and who are studying for the MCAT that do need that structure, I would actually try it out and see how it goes. I know there are, and I personally can't do this to this degree, but I know there are even some, uh, not calendars, but well, they're kind of like calendars that have the day sorted by hour. I personally could not do it that Mm -hmm. strictly, but that might work for some people and that's going to help you build a habit. The one thing that is a little tricky is that even when we start making something a habit or we have it or we have it planned out, we might still avoid doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's tricky because it's it's this battle between willpower, I know I want to do it, I'm kind of motivated to do it, but I'm scared of doing it. And it's really important when you're studying for the MCAT to understand why you might be avoiding studying. So is it that you're overwhelmed by the sheer amount of studying that you do? Is it that you're avoiding it because maybe you don't have energy during the day or by the time that you get to studying when it's scheduled? And so finding that reason and then targeting that reason is really important because let's say you're exhausted, right? When you, when five o'clock comes along, that might mean that you need to take a power nap right before you start studying. Or maybe you're crashing from a lot of caffeine in the morning, or maybe you're just going to bed really late because you're scrolling on TikTok and mm-hmm. can't seem to stop. And so those are all different things that can right, contribute to something as seemingly simple as being tired, but understanding why you're avoiding something, what's contributing and how to address it is really important while you're doing any sort of major project. Yeah, I'm really bad with this. Like there are times there'll be a big task that I'm like, I know I need to be going on, but I just like, I just can't find the, the, the willpower to get started on it. Um, and I know this is something that we talk about actually fairly frequently as I, um, I always like to think about it in terms of like friction and like static friction versus kinetic friction. Um, of course, that's how I think about things, but to get an object started moving, you have to push harder than it is to just keep an object moving. And I think that that same thing happens psychologically. And so if there's a big daunting task, Getting started on that daunting task is much more challenging than like once I started and just keep going, it's it's a lot easier, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that that, for me, like the way to deal with that is the thing we've already talked about, which is scheduling, right? 
like if it's no at this time i start working on torque like i i don't like i i don't have a, i'm not making this decision I, I don't i'm not dealing with oh should i get started on this or like should i push it off or whatever like no i just stick to my schedule and that removes some of that challenge but there are other things that have happened to me before where i'm like i'm trying to i wanted to do this thing tonight and i'm just exhausted right or tired um for me it's often i skip meals and i forget to eat and i'm just like low blood sugar and it's just like oh i'll eat after this and all of a sudden like i I last ate at like 11 o'clock in the morning and now it's like nine o'clock at night and i'm like i am i am like burnt out right like i can't find the energy to do the mental tasks that i'm trying to set for myself and that is that's like something i've just learned about myself over time like i need to go eat um yeah that was literally that just happened before we we hopped onto this right because mm-hmm. I needed I was like I think I think my blood sugar is a little low I was mm-hmm. it was just kind of very much oh no so I just had something something sweet and I think it helped but yeah and and I think other folks I call it the activation energy here mm-hmm. here the physics I'm a little more biochem oriented but yeah just finding finding that and working through it and determining how you're going to overcome that static friction, that uh, activation energy is super important. Yeah. The, the other thing, and we, I feel like we've kind of talked about this, like crossing stuff off feels good, but I, I feel like a lot of times when students sit down for the MCAT, they're so focused on the end goal that, and and then not reaching that it, yeah. when they don't hit that immediately, they they lose motivation, right? And uh, like you're focused on the score, right? Or like the right number of questions that you got on a specific quiz or set of questions. Like you're, I'll be happy when I get, um, when I only miss one question out of two cars passages on average, right? And like until then, I'm not happy, right? And I feel like this is kind of like, um, I like to use the example of like bodybuilding, right? Like if I look in a mirror and I'm like, I want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Conan, right? Like that's what I want to look like. I'm, that's going to oh, be geez. very hard, right? But if I, I'm like, For that's my goal. And if, I, if I'm so focused on that, that I'm only happy when I hit that, every time I look in a mirror, even if I'm going to the gym every single day, like I'm going to look in the in the mirror and say like, no, I'm like, I'm sad. Like I'm a failure and I'm like not hitting the thing that I'm trying to hit. And like, what's going to happen is you're going to lose motivation. You're going to fall off. It's really, really important to, as you're going, review your progress and see, measure how you are better, right? Like when you have a question like, oh, that question, I would have missed that um, a, a week ago, or I would have missed that two weeks ago. You are better than you were before. And that's, that's a really big thing. Um, I, I know I've, I've used this analogy like a long, long time ago, but I like, always like to think about this as, um, like when you're driving. So I have a brother who lives in Denver and I live in Kansas city. And so you can drive out to Denver. It's about 10 hours. It is the worst driving in the world. Um, driving through Kansas is the most boring drive. I will, I will put my money down. Like also Nebraska, Southern Nebraska, Northern Kansas, they're pretty much the same. Um, it's the most boring drive of like 10 hours of like, you're excited to see a tree because it's like, oh my gosh, it's a tree. It's something to look at. Um, 
but it's just flat and kind of boring. Um, but then as you cross into Colorado, eventually you see a mountain and you're like, yes, I'm going to be in the mountain soon. And then you drive for another hour and it's like the mountain's still up ahead. I'm still driving in this big flat area that's like boring. And I think what happens is if you are so focused on the end and seeing it, right, and then you're not there, like it feels like you're not making any progress at all, right? And so that whole drive through Kansas, and then eventually you see the mountain, you're like, yeah, I'm there. But like you drive for an hour and like you're still not there. Like it's, it feels like demoralizing and you're like, oh God, like when are we going to be there? Now, if I was, if I had a thing on my, on my dash, that said, oh, this is the distance you have to drive and this is the distance you've covered, right? If I'm watching that go up, like that's gonna be way more motivating to me of like, oh, I just crossed the halfway point. Oh, I just crossed three quarters. Like, oh, like there's there's only like a hundred miles left. And like you're seeing your progress. Measuring your progress is better than measuring how far you are from your goal in terms of motivation, which is why I always tell students to, like keep track, like cross off stuff, right? Like go back and like, if you make a calendar, you can go back and look at your calendar and see all the stuff you've done. And that that is motivating overall. The other thing with like staying focused on the goal is that the MCAT is, is very complex. The MCAT is like the questions that they ask can even be really complex where the, to answer this question, I have to do some stuff with um, scientific notation, like some tricky math stuff. I also need to know some things about capacitors and I also need to know some things about membranes and know some things about neurons. And so there's like four big things I need in order to answer this question. And if I started off and I knew none of them, right, then I'm going to miss that question. If I studied a bunch and I learned how to deal with the scientific notation, I learned how to deal with capacitors, and I learned how to deal with the membranes, but I haven't read the chapter on neuro yet, or I haven't done the videos on neuro yet, and then I try to do this question, I'm going to miss that question, right? But those two students aren't equal, right, in terms of how far they were from getting that question correct. And that's why it's important to measure your progress, right? Because if you're measuring just off of the results, like both those students are going to look like the same results. They both didn't get the question. But one student was actually much better than the other, like in terms of a lot closer to that. And like the amount of work needed, they just need to go read that neuro chapter and then they're good. They would have got that question. The other student could have read that neuro chapter and they still wouldn't have got it. They have to go like bounce around between a bunch of different things. And so that's one of the challenges specifically with the MCAT because the MCAT likes to combine and mix topics that if you are just looking at the number of questions you're getting correct and just looking at, are, am I getting the score I want? that it's very easy to lose steam, lose motivation, lose drive. Versus if you're watching to see how much better you're getting, it kind of makes you excited, right? Like, oh, in this short amount of time, I've learned like these 15 physics topics really well, right? Like, and yeah, there's like four or five more, but like I'm, I'm, I'm making progress. I'm like almost there. And that's a lot more motivating. 
Oh, 100%. And in the in the content, so the, the study schedule that I was talking about earlier, I have a percentage there as well. So it updates the percentage. And even though it's, you know, I've done two videos, the percentage goes up a little bit. And so I'm happy because I can see that I am making content progress. And something that the students in the CARS course, they come across kind of a, a flow chart that um, we've we've made and created for students and, you know, how to keep track of what they're, how they're doing. And, you know, one of the things that we have is they keep track weekly or they're, the intention is that they'll keep track weekly. And even small changes can, you know, you see your progress that way. And I was working with some students during CARS office hours and we were having conversations about different approaches and, and the strategies. And I encourage them to use those strategies. And then when they're going to come to our workshop where we all review, also I should specify. So uh, in the course, we have office hours where students can come, ask an instructor questions in general. And then in workshops, we'll break down a passage together so that students can get live feedback. Um, and we recognize students when they keep coming back. And so we can have a chat about how they're doing, mm-hmm. which I personally love. Yeah. And, so, um, and so when when students you know, go to the workshop, we can see together what progress they're making. And that's another opportunity for them to, for them to see the progress that they're making, but also get it reinforced by the instructor. Because sometimes it just takes having someone a little outside to be able to tell you, yeah, you're making progress because we don't always see it ourselves, And so that's something that I find really fulfilling when, mm-hmm. whenever I do CARS workshops and, and I recognize our students. I feel like that's literally one of my favorite things about our job is like <laughs> interacting with students and like they come to all the office hours, they come to free trial sessions, they come yes. to everything. And then like, I'll be working with the student. We'll start in January. And then at like the end of March, I'm like talking to them and they're like, like they're all over everything. And I'm like, listen, you would have missed all of those questions yeah. two months ago. And now you you got all of them. I just want to take a moment. Like I have seen your growth mm-hmm. in this. And that's that's a really exciting, really fulfilling part of the job to be able to kind of like see and watch students like go from like, you know, they're scoring in like the 490s to all of a sudden it's like they're in the five teens, right? And like yeah. you're seeing like, yeah, this totally makes sense. You are all over it and you're on top of stuff and you're you're asking me questions that are making me stop and think. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, yeah, actually, that's I've never thought about it. You're, but like, yeah, exactly. That's that's what's going on here. And that's that's great. Um, and that's fulfilling. And that's what I I love about the class stuff. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm going to stop saying 100%, but I truly agree with you. Um, One of the other things, in in addition to reviewing our progress, is it's important to kind of alternate. And so that's another way that you can you can make that progression and see it if you're not constantly doing just one thing. So if I sit down and I try and knock out all of physics in you know one week or one month, I'm not going to see the progress in bio, biochem, psych, soch, cars. Whereas I want to be able to make that progress consistently across the board. And one of the ways that I'm going to do that is that I'm going to cover my material by topic. And so kind of like what we talked about earlier, I'm not going to sit down and just do one, one section. And that applies for a given week, that applies for a given day and some are across days. And for some students that have more time, that's even going to cross this, an individual day. 
And so a student might, you know, start their day with CARS or maybe a little bit of chem fizz. And later in the day, if they have time for, to study again, they might do some psych -soch. or they might do, you know, psych one day and then CARS the next day or whatever other science. And rather than sitting down and, you know, maybe not the extreme of a month, but even not the extreme of a week, only doing one topic. And that's going to help us stay motivated because we're seeing different things. We're making progress in different areas. And it's keeping our mind focused on potential relationships, which we have absolutely talked about in this podcast before. When you alternate things, you start seeing those relationships better. And the MCAT loves testing relationships. And like you were just saying, maybe a little bit of physics and neuro and um, electricity all kind of combined in, in one question and some science and some math as well. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's why it seems a little counterintuitive based on the other stuff we said. Like, it's great to, like, cross things off and, like, mark your progress. At first, on the surface, it sounds like a good idea to, like, I'm going to knock out physics and then biology and then biochem and then chemistry and then orgo and then gen chem and then, like, all of those things. But that that is not a good strategy. Um, one, I actually think it's bad for motivation because, like, if I'm if I hate physics and I'm studying physics for, like, five hours today, I'm going to be burnt out and done after the first hour, right? Mm -hmm. Versus like, this might actually be a way to reward yourself is like, <laughs> if you hate physics, but love bio, say like, oh, I'm going to start with like an hour of physics and then I'm going to reward myself with some bio after that. And so maybe a little bit of a sneaky reward system in there, but it keeps you more motivated and it keeps you more engaged in this. Um, it also uses other parts of your brains, um, especially if you are not, if you don't love doing math, there's a good chance. Like if you hate doing math and you've been doing math for an hour, like you're, you're done, right? Like mentally fried. And so switching gears to a different topic is using other parts of your brain. And that may be better for you. You might be able to like stay engaged for a little bit longer than you would have otherwise. But the other thing is exactly what you said like the MCAT mixes topics. And so we want students to mix topics as they're studying, because if you go and study magnetism, and then after that, you're like studying uh, how a mass spectrometer works, <laughs> you might all of a sudden be like, oh, wait, mm -hmm. this uses magnetism, right? And that's what's going on here. That's what's bending the movement of this particle. It's a magnetic field. And the heavier they are, the harder they're going to be able to turn. So they're going to hit on different spots here. And so that's when those light bulbs go off, when you start to be able to connect biology and physics and chemistry and orgo, and you start to understand kind of what's going on there. Like ultraviolet rays have a higher frequency than visible light. And like, so that means um, ultraviolet rays can knock electrons off of aromatic molecules. And like, that's a, that's a biochem thing. It's also like physics, like Ultraviolet rays are higher frequencies, so they're higher energy. That's a that's a that's a physics thing. They can knock um, electrons off of aromatic rings. That's an orgo thing. Your DNA is aromatic, and so that's a biology thing. And but you put all those pieces together, ultraviolet rays can turn your DNA into radicals, and that's why we wear sunblock is because ultraviolet rays can knock electrons off of aromatic molecules like our DNA, which then becomes a radical and then reactive, and then we get mutations, and then we get cancer, right? Like skin cancer. Um, and so that's why we do this. And so when you're studying all these things together, you start to make connections and put the pieces together. And on the other hand, like 
metal is really easy to knock an electron off of. That's like that's why electrons flow through wires, right? Because copper doesn't hold on to electrons. So that that's easy to knock an electron off of. So a very low energy photon, like you don't need ultraviolet rays, even lower than visible, like a microwave, which is very low energy, will knock an electron off of that. And that's why you can't put your spoon in the microwave, right? Because it, like it ionizes the spoon and knocks the electrons into the air and they zap down in tiny lightning bolts. And it's like, it's super interesting when you start to connect these things. It's kind of the same thing as DNA, but like copper's easier to ionize than DNA is. And like putting these pieces together, honestly, I feel like it also makes it more fun. It makes it more interesting when you're mixing these topics. Um, makes it more interesting, makes it more engaging. And you start to understand kind of how these pieces all fit together. Um, the other thing kind of in this and like, you know, the scheduling, this should be a part of it as well, is that you you absolutely need to schedule time off. Um, you cannot work every day, like, like all for like four months. Like you cannot do it. You need to schedule breaks. And maybe that kind of factors into the rewards that we talked about earlier. Like if I get all my stuff done, I get Saturday off in the weekend and I'm like gonna go play Ultimate Frisbee, right? That That is something that I think in undergrad, when you're studying tends to come more in bursts. Like I have a test this Friday. So I start studying this, the week of the test. And so you don't like schedule a day off, right? Like if I'm going to start studying Wednesday for my test on Friday, I don't say mm, I should probably take Thursday off, right? Like that's not, <laughs> that's not a good idea in that scenario. But if you're studying for something months from now, you have to build in time off, right? Because otherwise you are going to get burnt out. You're going to get fried. And you're actually, even though you're spending more time studying, you're going to be learning less. Um, and I think I really want to hammer that because a lot of times students feel like, oh, like I just don't have time to take a break, right? Like, no, you have to, right? If you don't take a break, you're going to do worse than if you do take a break. Um, and so that's a big deal. Yeah, you and I definitely talked about this, but when there there was a point in time where, well, not a point in time, but basically for a year. So I was working right? In school. And we also were studying for exams. So in clinical, and there was a period of time where I was doing something every single day of the week, whether it was for school studying clinic or work. And let me tell you, the burnout was real. And the recovery from that burnout took more time than if I had just scheduled time off. And I really struggled during that period to learn what I was studying because I would read, I would watch videos and it just wouldn't stick. And I kept having to go back and back and back. And even then it just, some things just never stuck. And now I'm having to, to relearn them because I wasn't at my peak because I was just trying to be superwoman and I'm not, I'm a human being <laughs> flawed and with a limited capacity to do things. And so now that I've kind of rescheduled things, I take time off. And so one of the things that I have learned to do is not answer emails and turn off some notifications on at least one of the days of the weekend. And that's really helpful. I can't do that during the week, right? That's not really an option, but we generally tend to have more control over our weekends. And maybe you're someone that you're in school five days a week and you work the weekends. And so you're thinking, well, I really, I, I love what you guys are saying and I think it's important and I agree with you, but I truly can't take time off. You may not be able to take a full day off, but you can build in a half day. 
So maybe you don't study for the MCAT one or two, you know, um, evenings, but then the evenings that you are studying, you're being really intentional about what you're studying and how you're studying. And if you haven't heard our podcast on uh, studying actively, you're definitely going to want to, to go back and listen to that podcast. And so that's another way where even though your schedule may otherwise seem inflexible, you can build time off. Or maybe every couple of weeks, right, when you get a break from school, you're very intentional about that time off in addition to small little bursts of time off. And I think that that's non-negotiable. Whenever I would make a study schedule for my students over the last couple of years, we would sit down and we would do a couple of weeks at a time. And they knew they were not allowed to work seven days a week because Mm -hmm. I would come out full force and be like, what day? What day did you take off this week? And you're not going to lie to me about it because I'm I'm your tutor at the time. And so we're going to have a conversation. And if I hear that you didn't take a day off during that week after our tutoring session, you're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to study for the MCAT. And that's kind of how it goes. (laughs) Non-negotiable. Yeah. And we're, we're not doing this because we want to secretly make you worse. <laughs> we're no, doing this because no, no, no. it will help you. Yes. Speaking as like, I, I kind of feel like, even though we're saying this, like, I kind of feel like students aren't going to listen and students are oh, sure. like, like Someone. what's going to happen is students are going to have to go through this themselves. Cause yeah. I know I did. I know Someone. you did. I mean, both of us, it's pretty rare to have somebody working while they're in med school, like working a different job. But both of us, while we were in med school, worked outside of that, Um, worked in teaching and like taught classes and things like that. And so um, I definitely know that like it's very easy to get spread too thin and get a little bit burnt out and things like that. And if you don't take a little bit, right, even if it's just one evening, um, off. Honestly, it makes you better the other evenings that you're, you yeah. are there. Um, it makes you better the other time that you are there. And that is, that's a really big deal. Um, I also just side note, I encourage students, like if you are not doing something somewhat physical, like going to the gym or exercising or going for a walk, taking your dog for a walk, right? Playing volleyball, on Saturday nights, like something like that. I think that that also factors in as well. Um, At least for me, whenever I was most burnt out, like getting a little bit of exercise helped. And like, listen, I am not a super athlete, right? Um, I mostly just go for walks and, you know, if if the weather's nice during the summer, swimming or kayaking or things like that, I like to be on the water. Um, But I think that that also is a is a a really useful thing is try to take care of your body as well um because that definitely and sleep right like make sure to get sleep mm-hmm. like take care of your body your brain is part of your body if you're burnt out mentally yeah. like if if you don't take care of yourself physically you will burn out mentally way faster um yeah and we've talked about the hormonal effects of mm-hmm. you know of this constant stress and the same thing is going to apply when you are burnt out and so I love what you mentioned about moving. So anyone listening to the podcast and also Phil, I don't think you will, um, don't make fun of me. But <laughs> a couple of months ago when I was just really going through it, I 
I downloaded Pokemon Go. And so I, you know, anyone who who plays the game knows that you will run into a limit where you don't have any Pokeballs to catch the mm-hmm. Pokemon or any of the, the like little fruit to make it easier to catch them if you don't go walk and spin the stops, right? Mm-hmm. And so even when I was just exhausted and I just wanted to stay home, I had a little bit of motivation to go out and walk. Or when, you know, I could easily just put in headphones and just kind of be dreading walking to the hospital, I would open the app and make the walk to the hospital a little bit more engaging. Something else that I don't know how I feel about doing this again, but maybe a couple of weekends ago, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do cardio kickboxing. (laughs) And um, I was very sore afterwards. Mm -hmm. But that day, I can't tell you how productive I was. It was on a Saturday and I was like, things just coming out and bam, 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 getting things done. Again, I was sore for a few days, so I don't know how much that's going to keep coming back into my life. But as I'm as I'm talking about it now, I think it would be useful to do that uh, early next week when I get back into into full, you know, pr- uh, productive productivity mode. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you just moving is it just wakes something up in our body, right? Releases those endorphins. Let's go for it. Yeah, I um, that's honestly one of the reasons that I do the fence building thing on the weekends is like, Monday and Tuesday after that, like I am so productive because <laughs> I'm just so sore and I feel good and I'm t- on top of it. Um, I know that some people listening are going to be like, wait, you're sore and you felt good. Like there's some kind of like muscle achiness where you're just like, after you exercise, it feels good to just like sit in your chair at a desk. <laughs> and I'm like, I am enjoying this. This is fun <laughs> sitting here and recording a video, right? For the course. Um, and, it, and it feels great. And I'm happy to do it for six hours because I don't want to move. Um, and I think that that is, <laughs> there's a real thing there. And I think that um, like working in some sort of like physical thing yeah. definitely helps. For sure. And up until now, we've talked about a lot of things that are concrete that you can do on a regular basis. And I want to pause. And as we prepare to wrap up, I think it's important to recognize that sometimes you just need help mm-hmm. and you may have to reach out for help. As someone who is hyper-independent, thank you, mom, um, it can be really hard to reach out for help sometimes. And I didn't do it as well in undergrad. I learned to do it better in medical school. And so a lot of schools, whether you know you are, where, honestly, wherever you, you are going to school, they'll often have an office for education. And it can feel a little annoying and a little silly to make an appointment and go and see someone for this. But sometimes, not every single time, and that's okay, sometimes they'll have tips that are really helpful and different ways of approaching your studying that might be a better fit for you. Or you might have someone, an academic advisor, where you can sit down for you know a 15, 30-minute meeting and say, okay, how am I going to approach this, right? And actually, I was thinking of undergrad advisors. Um, but our academic advisors at Jack Weston, they will sit down with you and help you think of your MCAT trajectory, right? And so that's another resource that you have access to. For students that are seeing a psychiatrist, um, I think this is where it doesn't get told to people who are seeing people who are seeing uh, and seeking mental health 
services is that medications have side effects, right? And so we're often told about the most common ones, but some of these medications have side effects that impact our memory, our ability to concentrate. And so if you find that no matter what you do, you have tried everything we have talked about, you have gone to your school advisor, you've talked with one of our academic advisors, you've gone to the Office of Education and you're on a medication, ask your, and and honestly, it doesn't even just have to be for for psych medications. A lot of medications can impact uh, cognition. Ask whatever provider is prescribing that, whether it's your general practitioner, your, your primary care physician, or the psychiatrist, whoever it may be, ask them, hey, does this medication have any side effects that affect cognition, memory, concentration? And if so, Is there an alternative medication where you've seen that less often or that doesn't have that as a documented side effect? And I think something that's something that's really easy to forget, but can be just as important because that's something that is harder to control because it's happening on a physiologic basis. Mm -hmm. And so that's something else to think about. If you've tried everything we've talked about, you've done all these other things and you're like, well, here we go. (laughs) Let's let's see what we can do. I feel like so. I may be getting like a little bit too much that you don't want to talk about on the podcast as I, but some of the stuff you said today reminded me of myself. And I'm like, you said you got way better at seeking help when you needed it in med school. I did too, but it was only after I burnt myself out and I was trying to do like the Superman, like I'm going to do everything perfectly and I'm never going to take a day off. I'm never going to take an evening off. I'm never going to do that. And and like you said, so I don't know if you're, that was when you got better at it, because that's when I got better at it is after I burnt myself out. And so just I don't want students to have to go through that to yeah. make those realizations, um, because like like you said, like for me, if I had just taken one night off uh, a week, like I would have like burning out cost me more time than that and like being so burnt out like ended up like frying me to the point where it was very difficult to kind of like get back on track because it kind of just felt like everything was exploding because I Mm -hmm. wasn't able to take care of everything perfectly um and I think just taking an evening off would have been fine and we could have made that work but I you kind of feel there's a downward spiral sometimes where people feel like I'm so far behind that now I could have taken time off before but now I definitely can't and then that makes things harder and then it gets worse and that makes it harder and it gets worse and so the feelings get worse and so if you need help definitely seek it um I do want to say if you need help with just the approach to the MCAT, like outside of that, if you're like plateauing, even, let's say you're not hitting this, you know, this kind of like burnt out kind of like area, but you're just plateauing on the MCAT score and you're not sure what to best do to to deal with this, right? Like if I can't get my car score above a 126, everything else is climbing, but cars is flat. What do I do? Um, taking some time to talk to one of our academic advisors is very, can be very useful. They'll kind of help you be aware of different resources and different strategies. Um, they'll help you, you know, get an idea of different ways to tackle things. I honestly think that students should be talking to them just anyway about other stuff. There's a lot of things that like they can help you kind of build a schedule and help you figure out when you should be working on your personal statements, when you should be working on your um, like letters of recommendation, like target dates for that. If you need help building a schedule, which we've talked a lot about, um, they can be there 
for that and doesn't cost anything, right? This is something that we at Jack Weston feel is so important, like for you guys that like we're willing to just bite the bullet and we're paying some people who are very, very good at this um, to help you guys. Um, and so definitely reach out to them if you if you need some help. Um, come to office hours or if you're in the course, come to the free trial sessions. If you're not, um, you know, come talk to his eye, come talk to me. Um, we, we love it. Obviously, as we've yeah. kind of talked about, that's our favorite thing is seeing students improve and doing what we can for that. So I just want students to be aware that all of that stuff exists um, and keep a lookout for it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I have no problem talking about it. I think I've actually talked about it a little bit in, in the past in, in prior podcasts. But yeah, when I it took me fully uh, things just exploding, spiraling, going up in flames to learn to take to, to ask for help. And the year that I had to take off from medical school for health reasons. So I tried to muscle my way through classes being sick as a dog, just being so absolutely sick, being unable to sit through a class. It got to the point where I was, you know, I finally reached out to my advisor. I was like, because I was missing so many classes, I was like, I don't know what to do. What can we do? And it reached a point where they said, you can't do anything else. You have to take the year off so you can figure out what condition you have and address it. And that was tough. That was really tough to swallow because at that point I started thinking, what if I can never become a doctor? Mm -hmm. And I had to reconsider my entire life because I was unwilling to ask for help earlier and my health just spiraled. Um, ultimately, that ended up being a positive thing. And I actually developed an, I think, even stronger relationship with my academic advisor now through the school. Um, I feel more confident in if something goes, you know, if, if I have one of those wonky health days or whatever it may be. I'm willing to take it off instead of trying to muscle my way through a class where I'm not going to be productive and I'm sick. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not a good idea, right? When, when I'm unsure how to approach studying or what courses and classes I should take next, what, you know, what um, rotations I should do next year to prepare and when I should do them, I can reach out to my academic advisor now. And she's really great. And so she's actually just a text away. <laughs> um, but Learning to do that, and I wish I would have, I honestly wish I would have learned to do that beforehand, but learning to do that while you're studying for the MCAT will prepare you for being able to do that in medical school. Because the last thing you want to do, and again, I speak from experience and I would not, and, and we speak from experience and we would not want you to have to go through this, is going through med school, spiraling, and then learning to ask for help. So reaching out now is important. And I do want to say, I don't think we, we, we don't really talk about this, but in addition to the course, we also have tutoring and some students may know right off the bat, hey, I think that would be something that's a good fit and I need that extra help. You can still, if you have that idea and you're like, okay, I know that the course or tutoring or something else would be helpful with accountability, with um, just breaking through those plateaus. If you already know that, you can still reach out to an academic advisor and they can walk you through to see if it would actually be a good fit or not. And I think we don't we don't really talk about that on the podcast because we're here for everybody. But I also want to acknowledge that some students may be thinking that way. Um, I think it's just important to mention. Yeah, sometimes it's nice to have that kind of like one on one thing, which is why when I do tutor students one on one, I love it because I mm -hmm. love being able there to being there to help and like provide more kind of catered 
guidance yeah. of like, okay, based on where you're at, we're going to change this a little bit because this makes more sense for you specifically. Um, and that's just a really great resource out there that you're right. We don't talk about much, but we should mention more often. Yeah. Hopefully you will be motivated <laughs> to, to reach out to an academic advisor, to continue watching these podcasts. Please don't forget to rate. That helps us reach more students. Um, and that's what we love doing. We just love talking to you guys, even if we don't hear you guys. We also have an email now, um, podcast at jackweston.com, which you can submit you know, thoughts that you're having um, after listening to a podcast. Maybe you have an idea and you're like, I would love to know about this. We are open to those suggestions as well. And find what, from the list of what we talked about today, think about what your takeaway will be and what you want to adopt in order to help you stay motivated. 